0: Today on Shack House,
1: Jimmy Walker's epic win in the PGA Championship, the incredible week at Baltus Roll, and all sorts of other good stuff we're going to kick around from the end of the major championship season. Shack House, of course, is brought to you by Callaway Golf, makers of the Chrome Soft Golf Ball, the ball that changed the ball. How did it change the ball? Chrome Soft brings fast ball speed and incredible soft feel, two characteristics that did not go hand in hand until Callaway developed the Chrome Soft's new dual core technology. Test the Callaway ChromeSoft golf ball today. And also, don't be afraid of that Truvis technology. It's really, really cool stuff. Let's go to the Shack House. House, how about that PGA Championship? Uh, how about <laughs> it, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, it took a while to get going. It was like um, a, a horse. It was a deep closer. You know, you just kind of kept waiting and waiting. But then we had that great rush at the end. And uh, Jimmy Walker won the PGA Championship over Jason Day. And it was, as, as Bill, those par fives at the end made things interesting.
0: So let's talk about Jimmy Walker for a second. Okay. Yeah. Where did yeah. this, this come from? Another old guy. Not, not a millennial. And it's kind of been the theme uh, this season, especially the second half majors, Stenson and uh, our, our boy here, Jimmy Walker. What's going on? Well,
1: yeah, especially if you looked at his finish in the majors uh, prior to this, this year, he hadn't done much. I think T29 at the Masters, missed a cut at the next two. Uh, but if you listen to his interviews, it was one of those things that just reminds you what a wacky, goofy game this was. He found something on uh, his last nine, uh, the, the the Sunday before last week, and then he, he mentioned he, he played those money games that he likes to play with Phil. You know, he's in that group of, uh, of guys who play – to kind of hone their Ryder Cup match skills and then also just to make a practice round interesting. And he actually said that really was kind of important for him to kind of have a grinding practice round to test out whatever this little – he didn't really reveal, I'm sure he will, what it was that kind of keyed in his swing and got his game going. And then, you know, he's always been a good putter. He's always been super long. And those are pretty good things to be in golf. And when it all comes together, as it did for him, and then his body held together, as he said, he has fought some injury issues. It, uh, you know, it was. It, I guess I would say it was not a huge surprise, except for the fact that he just hadn't been. Sh-
0: his form had been pretty, pretty poor up to this point. Yeah, we've seen Jimmy Walker get hot before and and look unstoppable. And when he gets on one of those runs, um, like he has, you know, a couple times over the last twenty-four months. Um, he he, especially gets the short stick rolling. It was the thing that made me feel like he was a deserving champion. He he, putted the best of anybody and everybody this week. I don't know if the stats back that up, but to my um, dumb. Uh, you know, TV viewing eye. He was making putts from all over the place. The the putt that he made on 11 yesterday afternoon, the putt he made on 17 yesterday afternoon, and the two putt on 18 was was no small thing. He he played hmm. the best, um, you know, tee to green, but especially putting on the greens. And so I felt like he was a, a worthy champion. Um, I was very impressed, I have to say, though, uh, by Jason Day. What a gutsy performance um, for a guy that did not uh, – it didn't a- a- appear to have his A game, his A-plus game. But I absolutely loved what he did, uh, especially uh, on-, on 18. Um, the uh, I don't know what iron that was. Was it a four iron that he hit um, to-, to 14 yeah. feet? And, yeah, and from two
1: fifty what was it, two fifty four, I think? Yeah. <laughs> uphill. Some, somebody <laughs> tweeted how
0: close was that to, to um the plaque with Jack's one iron. Yeah. Um which is which is funny. Uh but then and then he made the putt and he walked the perimeter of the green and stared back down the fairway he wanted to make sure that jimmy walker saw that what he had done it was the only way to manufacture a little bit of drama a little bit of tension because they were not playing in the same twosome at the end of the tournament which is something that i think uh you and i both did not like um format wise yeah no
1: i think we'll kind of pick on the uh, PGA and all that in a minute. I, I, it really is amazing what a difference that can make in a tournament. Uh, that said, they were at least within the vicinity of one another. It could have been a bigger fiasco, frankly, uh, based on some of the weather reports if Sunday had not gone well weather-wise, where we could have had people finishing a day before other people who, who might have been in the clubhouse. So they were they were a little bit lucky there. But um, I, I just also think that uh, people should kind of recognize everything that Jimmy's gone through. He's he's one of those stories. I mean, he's not the greatest journeyman story of all time, but he is a great journeyman story, and and that he is a little bit of a late bloomer, and he had had to kind of uh, really campaign, and his wife got involved with getting Butch Harmon to help him get to this next level, and uh, great Web. dot com player, but then then dealt with some injuries and. And uh, and then he just has this this really cool different passion. Is uh, he calls himself an astro-imager, and NASA uh, uses his images. And and he's got this whole thing on the side. And his uh, his wife is a former journalism major. She keeps an eye on us reporters' house uh, every once in a while. You get a little a little pushback on Twitter uh, from the wife, uh, but she's great, Aaron, and um, a lively personality. They're not the. I mean, there was that scene at the end. The kids come out, and she's crying, and she's a beautiful blonde. And, and you know, you think, oh, well, it's just kind of that, that classic tour story. But there, there's a lot more to these people than the usual tour player and wife and family. And I think, I guess, that you know, he's a very popular winner in the press center. He's an, an interesting interview, too. He'll kind of look at you sometimes. You think you've asked a, a, a kind of a rude question or something. He'll give you this look, but he he's just kind of thinking through his answer. He's very careful with his... His words, and and I, I think it was fascinating. He was in shock yesterday. Uh, I kept kind of waiting for him to show the more eloquent Jimmy, and he was not. Uh, he he was he was fine. He was a good interview, but I, he was in shock. He really it was it was fascinating. He was definitely like uh, some of these guys he got into a zone, and then when the thing kind of ended, and he had to snap out of it. It was. It was hard for him, and I think that's neat to see. I always enjoy that.
0: Me too. I thought it, I found it endearing, to be honest with you. What I did yeah. not find endearing was the performance of Rory McIlroy, <laughs> uh, and, and I wasn't really impressed by Jordan Spieth either. We had Jim Nance on last week, and we asked Jim, "What do you think about the Big Three? And kind of in the first place, that narrative that was yeah. what we were looking at entering the season, and then you know hit the prospects for the Big Three in this tournament. And of the Big Three, it was only J- Jason Day that that showed up." Uh, I mean, Jordan did have kind of a late push yesterday where he did a you know, it was like slightly interesting. It looked like he might go on a little tear. Um, but you know, he wasn't able to sustain everything. Uh, and And Rory,, uh, look, you know, there there's a problem here. This is the second uh, major this season where the dude has been on the final hole of of his second round with the ability to with, with you know whether or not he's going to make the cut hanging in the balance and homie has hit the eject button <laughs> both times in a very dramatic fashion. So dramatic it almost appears and this is not a conspiracy theory, it almost appears deliberate. Like mm. he is is aware of where you know um, that he just doesn't have his game, that whatever um Issues are are befalling him with the putter, are infecting the other aspects of his game, and rather than see it through, see through the weekend. You know, uh, uh, all he needed was birdie on 18 on on Friday to make the cut, and you know, 18 obviously played the easiest of of all the holes at at uh, Balty. This week, um, and what he did was leave a chip in the in the cabbage short. You know, he had to chip twice out of uh, a spot that was not that unlike what where Jimmy Walker found himself on yep. eighteen, um, and just not up to it. What What do you think about the performance of the so called big three?
1: Well, I thought it it was very consistent with, with their years. Jason was was great, and but um, um, maybe just slightly less great than he was last year um and he's managed his year very well and paced himself and the only bummer i think is that he's not going on to to rio because i think he would have uh, won the gold medal or been very close there um but that said you know he he can look at the year even though it it didn't include a major championship as Uh, one that he he, uh, paced himself well and put himself in in contention at that last one in dramatic fashion and hit a brilliant shot on the last hole. And uh, he can move along from there. Jordan just kind of continued everything that's been going on with him where you just sense that it's just not clicking. It's close. The talent is still immense and there. And uh, now maybe it's a good thing that he's going to, you know, shut it down for a few weeks and We'll see what he does in the in the playoffs, how hard he grinds at that. And then, you know, I would love to see him kind of shut it down, glide through the playoffs, and then just kind of find his game at the Ryder Cup again. I feel like match play and all that will really do it. And then, Rory, you know, his, his short game, uh, there, there's a problem there. It's not getting better. It's getting uh, worse. He now is fighting House the perception that he's in, more in love with the gym than – Uh, Working on his short game, and that's uh, that's something that can put a player on their defensive, and we've seen it happen before with a few players. Um, And I think that's going to be something that weighs on him and bugs him because I think he likes the way his body has developed and that he looks like an athlete and all that stuff. But he just he seems kind of um, he seems just off, and uh, and he's he's getting married this year, so. I don't know what he's going to do to kind of uh, hit the reset button, but I don't know. You know, he's an international traveler. I don't know when he's going to find time to kind of quiet down and and uh, find his game. And then, of course, the Zika virus has come to South Florida where he lives, so I, I don't know if he can even go home since that was one of the reasons he couldn't go to Rio. So he's got a lot on his plate, and um, I think that we've learned uh, a hard lesson. Not that you and I were big three uh uh, Big Four, Big Five advocates. I mean, I did an April Fool's uh, uh, post on that, um, and I, I I just can't stand the term. And I think uh, hopefully people were uh, have realized that golf's a very hard game. There are a lot of very talented people who play the game, and that, yeah, sometimes it is nice to have that little veteran seasoning. And we learned that uh, again this year, that it it isn't necessarily a young person's game
0: yet. Well, I'm sorry to say that I was sucked in and I um lost c- more of my capital than I care to confess on the idea that Rory was just one round away that he was he was he's been since the Masters ready to string four together and maybe that's part of why I'm extra bitter today after the eject uh this past week but um we're going to talk about the broadcast and the PGA of America and its challenges with fielding a full tournament under um, major conditions. But before that, we have a couple words from some friends of ours. My friends, you've heard us here on The Shack House talk about a lot of things, our stylish clothes, our golf balls, our tequila, and our underwear. Today, we're pleased to have the opportunity to talk about something slightly more personal and also hopefully use this podcast for the forces of good. All of us have friends and family that have been affected by the scourge that is cancer. We're very pleased today to announce a collaboration between Shack House, The Ringer, and Callaway Golf with a terrific charity called Golf Fights Cancer. Golf Fights Cancer is an organization that taps into the passion and generosity of all golfers to raise much-needed funds for cancer-related organizations and families living with the awful disease. Golf Fights Cancer inspires golfers and empowers them to take action and make a difference. Funds raised make a tangible and immediate positive impact. In and on the fight against cancer. Friends, everybody knows that Shaq and I are givers. We give you great guests, great suggestions for places to play the game, and eat great food while doing so. We we also give you mediocre advice on how to allocate some capital on major events. (laughs) I'm now asking you, both Jeff and I are asking, please join us and get involved. Go to www.golffightscancer.org and learn a little bit more about the charity, the mission, and see how you can help. Whether it's participating in an upcoming event near you or making a donation, we're really happy to be teamed up with Golf Fights Cancer and we'll be announcing some very exciting joint ventures together through the rest of 2016. But in the meantime, please check them out, www.golffightscancer.org. That's www.golffightscancer.org. Friends, very happy to also... Discuss with you our good friends at Avion. You've heard us talk about how they elevate their craft making delicious tequila to an art. Avion tequila has been voted the world's best tasting tequila, and it's surely one of the most inefficient tequilas you can find. That's because they take their time in making this fine, fine, hot sauce. You might have first seen Avion on Entourage. Here's the real story behind the brand. It wasn't created by celebrities or billionaires. It's a collaboration between a tequila-loving entrepreneur and a family who for generations have been growing agave in their small town, Jesus Maria, in the highlands of Jalisco. Avian's made by real people with true passion for their craft, and they pride themselves on the art of crafting beautifully inefficient tequila sip on avion neat or on the rocks i do both it makes a delicious top shelf margarita too hello cadillac margarita share avion with those that appreciate what they eat and drink i promise it will become theirs and your favorite ultra premium tequila and friends please drink avion responsibly
1: all right, so the PGA of America did not have a stellar week. Now, House, I polled the website readers at jeffshackelford.com, and it was a landslide. They still say the USGA had a much worse year than the PGA of America. And I haven't written my rebuttal yet. I didn't want to taint the vote, House. But as a tournament watcher, I would actually say that the PGA's week was worse than the USGA's, and here's why. The USGA at the U.S. Open and the U.S. Women's Open, they were dealt situations that were very... Difficult. They didn't handle them maybe as well as we'd like, but they were really tough situations. The PJ of America went to Baltusrol, Balti, uh, uh, which by the way you were vindicated on Balti right after we did last week's show. I sent you an article, so congratulations on that. But they went to the place where in 2005 they wanted to protect that lead-in audience to uh, Sunday 60 Minutes. Did not move the tea times up an hour. And made everybody come back the next day because of a thunderstorm that was definitely in the forecast. And so it was one of the real screw-ups of all time. Thankfully, Phil got him off the hook, like these great players tend to do, made a great finish. Tiger didn't have to fly back from Florida for a playoff or anything, not that he would have made it. He was long gone. So they come back to the same place. They have a situation Saturday where they've got storms in the forecast. Again, they don't want to budge on the tea times, I guess, to get that, that rating on Saturday and uh, the tea times later in the day. Of course, it leads to another situation where it's not pretty. Sunday's forecast is worse. And they got lucky Sunday that all that worked out. Then you throw in the fact they actually cut a hole in the wrong spot. Now, House, these are Professionals, these are supposed to be the best at what they do. You you know, you you can give out a wrong pin sheet, but to actually cut it in the wrong spot, just completely make that mistake and not have anybody catch that—that is just—that is just awful. That is amateur hour. Like I can't comprehend. So they were salvaged by two things: one, the players uh, performed beautifully at the end to help us forget those things. And number two, Mark Coons, the superintendent, and his crew somehow made those playing areas playable, even though they played lift clean in place, which was very unfortunate and something they said they wouldn't do. Uh, and then they did it the next day. Um, so they were salvaged by those two things. But for me, from a tournament function, wonky, geeky kind of uh, uh, perspective, uh, terrible week. Uh, so I know you, you, though, had a, a
0: kind of bigger picture issue with them. Well, right? I, I am. Yeah, I did. uh, uh You've convinced me, though. Uh, I was prepared. You know, I, I'm gonna. It's gonna take me a long time to get over the USGA's mishandling yeah. of the Dustin Johnson rules fiasco. But you know, in in uh, when I think about what you just laid out, the case you made for the mistakes of the of the PGA of America, not the PGA Tour, the PGA of America, very two very nice, two different entities. <laughs> um, I, I have to. I'm coming around to your way of thinking for this reason. They. All of the problems the PGA encountered this weekend were foreseeable. They were anticipatable. Yeah, they knew that they, there was bad weather exactly. in the forecast. They've been through hosting this tournament under bad weather circumstances <laughs> at and that course. At that course, and still, we had a series of uh, mishaps that really impacted. To me, the enjoyment of the weekend. In the first place, Jason Sobel did a great job uh, on ESPN um, making the case that they could have completed the entire third round on Saturday if They'd gone to split tees and threesomes, and if they'd kicked off right around seven in the morning, the bad weather on Saturday didn't arrive until nearly two thirty in the afternoon. Yeah. If they had just, you know, um, taken that modest step, which other majors have done, including the Open Championship, of putting players in threesomes and and. Uh, you know, moving up the start time, split tees, that you could have had the whole third round completed. And this was the biggest complaint for me, permitted a repairing of all of the mm. competitors so yeah. that the guys could play with each other. The guys at the top of the of the leaderboard could play with each other on Sunday because this is the one thing I felt we were cheated of. And we were you, – you mentioned uh, that the uh, PGA of America was lucky – that Jason and, and Jimmy were proximate enough that Jason could look down the fairway at Jimmy. They should have been playing together. We don't know. We'll never know. And it doesn't diminish Jimmy's win at all. That the circumstances worked out this way, but we'll never know no. how he might have performed with Jason Day standing next to him for the entire round. And I thought in view of all of the ways they could have mitigated that um, that issue to have not taken the steps. And, and I know each way, each decision they made iteratively, there was a certain logic um, behind why they didn't want to go to split tees and threesomes on Saturday, and why they declared there would be no lift clean in place Saturday night and then immediately moved off of that on <laughs> Sunday, and why they, they declared they wouldn't repair, and then it turned out they probably could have accommodated a repairing. I understand the logic behind each of those, but in the aggregate, it really undermined the enjoyment of the, of the total tournament, to me. See, I don't understand so. the logic.
1: You, you do, I don't. The logic is very simple. It's television. They, they, they are consumed with pleasing their television partners and then the the irony of that is their television situation's a mess they have a contract that they signed uh, years ago the previous regime that that stuck them with uh, a lot of parameters and things that are that are really take down the championships aura so I so that's where I don't I don't get the logic your, your TV partner uh, in particular TNT CBS less so but TNT in particular is not serving you well and so why are we compromising a championship, a for television ever, if if it's supposed to be this major championship? But b one that's really not even doing you uh, a service the way they're presenting
0: the championship. So look, this is the I'm getting the high pitched, issue. House. I, I know I'm. And you heard me high pitched, especially when it comes to Rory in my capital. God,
1: damn it! Uh, oh yeah, anyway. you need to get.
0: <laughs> Uh, You know, there's there's two things going on here and me and my good pal Bill Simmons talked a little bit about the identity crisis that the PGA Championship finds itself in because of, you know, this uh, curiously underwhelming portrayal of the tournament on television and I thought Martin Kaufman did a nice job in Golf Week uh, yesterday, I guess it went up last night, of sort of running through a summary of the, the ways that the um, telecast fell short. The curious thing is TNT ended up showing more of the tournament, I bet. I, don't, I haven't sat down and counted up the hours, but I bet TNT covered more of the, the tournament than CBS because of the Saturday washout and tnt is wonderful you and i both huge nba fans we love ernie johnson we love tnt for all of the ways that they innovate when it comes to the nba product we don't understand why when it comes to golf we don't see that same kind of of commitment to the product it's just once a year that tnt is involved in this and i hate to to heap on they did have heap, um, a couple of things there were a couple aspects of the telecast I loved. I loved uh, Amanda Balionis and and uh, Mike Weir. I thought yeah, Amanda, how about that? Uh, Mike Weir, he, you know, t- two folks with genuine golf credentials, um, asking questions of the players um, that were informed questions that are built on things that the players themselves had uh, observed. And and Weirzy with his, uh, yeah, I call them Weirzy. We're pals. <laughs> um, no, we're not. No. Uh, Somebody alleged that I look like him at some point. I don't. I don't think that's that's possible. Uh, I'm yeah,
1: like, maybe a a foot taller version.
0: Sure. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm three times his size.
1: Another hundred pounds too. But. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. But no, they. I thought both of them lended a credibility yeah. to the TNT. Yeah, telecast. they brought a freshness. That was, that's yeah. right. It was it was welcome. And TNT did try some of the technology, um, with the pro tracer and the split screen. Uh, not not nearly enough. Um, but uh, on balance, my biggest complaint is the lack of coverage. It's a major Why do I have to wait hours for the telecast to start? Why is it only online? and where is the rebroadcast? I yeah. work during the day the co- the competition is is being held during work hours Thursday and Friday. I would like to come home and watch a little bit of the tournament just to see uh, Rory miss all those putts, and I especially would like to see him hit the eject on Friday. I would like—I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of DJ to see if I could get a feel for. Um, what was going on there? It looked to me uh, on on you know online um, review that he kind of checked out. Um, as soon as he hit a little bit of a bad stretch, he kind of checked out. And I don't, I'm not going to kill the guy after the season that he's had. Um, he he's kind of entitled to um, you know w- one bad performance and wanting to sort of just get out of there, which is the way it looked. He only shot two over on uh friday but all the damage was done on thursday i would have liked to have watched some of the tournament though on a rebroadcast
1: do you get what i'm saying well yeah espn spoiled us at at the masters uh i believe really well actually actually the rebroadcast may have predated them but anyway golf channel uh espn all the other majors that have had these events uh even the u.s open i believe they did a truncated rebroadcast uh, spoiled us because, as you mentioned, people work, people have DVRs, they don't want to delete certain things, they don't want <laughs> a six-hour telecast, and there's just something convenient about flipping on the TV, and there it is, and and so we've been spoiled now by having that luxury with Golf Channel, and so, again, this contract was done a while ago, and TNT's got very uh, lucrative reruns they want to show, and they're not committed to golf, they do this once a year, and they commit for a week, but they have a contract, and that's that's it, and so, you know, if CBS Sports uh, Network was doing the first two rounds, I guarantee you that that rebroadcast would be on a loop. But this is the the arrangement that the PGA is saddled with for three more years. House, uh, they will begin uh, negotiations on a new contract with the networks. Uh, I would assume late next year, uh, or maybe mid-summer next year. But um, and that'll be an interesting bidding war. I think CBS uh, smells a little bit of a threat because Sean McManus spoke to Martin Kaufman in that piece you mentioned. But um, I thought CBS had a good telecast. They, But the telling thing, House, and I wrote all about this, and we won't belabor it, but I wrote about it on my site. Um, they save a lot of their bells and whistles for their telecast. And that's something else we've been spoiled by with a little more synergy. Even on the week-to-week tour events, when it's CBS Golf Channel, let's say, there's, uh, there's less of that going on. And I felt like I sensed more of that than normal, that TNT – I uh, was not able to use, or CBS just chose not to use some of the things that they then use on their own broadcast, which I kind of get. But like you said, TNT ended up being on uh, as much and, and and vital hours, and so you're watching this broadcast out of the '90s or the early 2000s. The music was is just tired, and 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 the the, um, the graphics are everything about it. You're just not getting a lot of information. And it it just it's it what it tells you though because we're talking about it is how much television can st- tell the story of a major championship and give it the feeling of a major or not give it the feel of a major.
0: Yeah. So we have a speed round coming up. We're going to talk about the identity of the PGA Championship in that speed round. But okay. Before we are. get to this, yeah. Before we get to the speed round, uh, a couple words from friends at frame bridge and the trunk club hey everybody shopping takes forever and no one has
1: time for it especially guys and now it's summer so you probably need some shorts some swimwear something offshore-ish you know so it'd be nice to have someone pick all these things out for you. And that's where Trunk Club is fantastic. You don't ever have to set foot in a store, and you get your very own stylus for free. I can attest, Carolyn has sent me an awesome trunk, and I ended up keeping a whole lot more than I planned to. But uh, I absolutely, really hope you'll go to trunkclub.com slash Type in your measurements, share your likes and dislikes, and you get your very own stylist. They'll pick out clothes from over 80 top brands, and they really do use the best stuff. They'll ship right to your door in this cool box that looks like a trunk. You keep what you like, you send back, send back what you don't, you just drop it off at a UPS outlet, you get your uh, your, your package back off, they do the accounting, they figure out what, uh, what you liked, what you didn't like, and you're on your way. It's not just another way to shop online, because here the stylist actually gets involved in stuff with uh, the questions you answer. They understand the unique look you're you're going for. And then, of course, if you're in Dallas, uh, New York, L.A., Chicago, or D.C., you can always just stop by. They uh, have these cool clubhouses, a little bar. You can do it in person. They've got these great little try-on areas uh, with uh, involving some of the brands. Highly recommend it. It's not a subscription service either. That's a key thing to remember. You get your own stylist. Shipping is always free. You have 10 days to try on the clothes. Risk-free. We really uh, hope you'll go to Trunk. Club.com slash house that's trunk club trunk club.com house. Also, we'd like to thank our friends at Framebridge. What a great service this is! Uh, you probably, if you're a fan of Bill Simmons, you know you've seen his uh, great looking set on uh, any given Wednesday. All sorts of cool frame stuffed on the walls uh, uh, there, and also at the uh, the Ringer offices. FrameBridge is doing some really neat things, especially if you're big on Instagram. You know, you can send your Instagram photos and they'll frame those. Uh, And hey, remember when cameras weren't part of your phone? Well, you know what? They're in our lives. They are inescapable. And you know what? It's time for people to start taking all these photos and actually putting them to use. So use FrameBridge. Go to FrameBridge.com, it's the easiest way to frame things you love. No more of this going into a store and overpriced framing. Um, You can do uh, online all these great little previews on their website. Really well designed, works beautifully. Uh, And then when you have a piece, though, let's say a poster, something cool you want to have framed, they'll send you a prepaid package to ship your item safely. You can simply upload a picture on the FrameBridge site or app. And the expert team at FrameBridge will custom frame your item in days, not weeks or months, deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. Again, no more haggling. Uh, In style called FrameBridge the genius site that makes custom framing easy. Uh, FrameBridge offers a happiness guarantee. Their team gives you uh, each item personal care and attention because meeting your expectations is vital to them. So instead of hundreds you pay at the framing store, their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. That's right, all shipping is free. So go to framebridge.com, promo code HOUSE. And again, that's framebridge.com, promo code HOUSE to get that 15% off your first order. Hey there, time for the speed round. Hey, equipment junkies, listen up. Our friends at Callaway now offer a rewards program, and you'll want to speed up your point total like we will move through this speed round house. So just like you collect hotel points or airline miles, Callaway is offering points for things you already do. Attend a Callaway demo day, purchase new clubs, trade in old clubs, and so on and so on. Redeem your Callaway rewards points at callawaygolf.com for items like custom head covers, golf balls, or golf bags. Visit callawaygolf.com slash rewards to sign up and start collecting points. All right, House, time for the speed round. We got some incredible submissions today on Twitter. Thank you all for doing that. Um, and we, we've had to whittle it down. A lot of them were, were kind of on the same wavelengths, which is interesting. So we kind of whittled them down to those who were on those uh, same wavelengths. But the first one, obviously, is this identity issue. House, you and Bill Simmons on last week's Friday rolling uh, talked about this and the PGA being kind of the Australian Open of golf only I would say uh, almost weaker now identity-wise because of the telecasts as we just uh, outlined, but also some other things. What would be your number one thing to uh,
0: inject a little more identity into the, the fourth of four majors? So one thing that, that Bill and I talked about, and he attributed uh, and gave you credit for this idea, so I'm, I guess I'm going to give you credit for it as well. Oh. I'd love to see the PGA Championship feature the iconic golf courses on the West Coast with mm. a lot more frequency. I'd love to see Pebble and Torrey and Riviera and maybe even LACC in <sighs> a Rota every, every two, three years uh, for for a whole variety of reasons. In the first place, you know what what is not happening out in California in August, and that that's thunderstorms or any other and month rainstorms. of the year. Right, right. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's an environmental crisis that that uh, is probably yeah, yeah, beyond no, the yeah, scope yeah. of this show. That. But yeah, um, right. No, not we're not dealing with uh, downpours and 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 rainstorms and uh, thunder and lightning. Um the other thing that that uh I love about the West Coast um hosting events is how it 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 makes for primetime television watching. So it ought to be an easy sell to the PGA of America and its television partner um to get out there on the West Coast and show um these great venues in primetime and let you know the PGA gets the best field every every year year in year out. Let's see the best players on these terrific uh, West Coast golf courses. Well, I think the PGA of America would
1: agree with you, House. Uh, the problem is that a lot of those venues you mentioned, the USGA has kind of grabbed, or there are places like the Olympic Club who who dream of hosting another U.S. Open, and so they've uh, they've run into trouble trying to find venue. I mean, P- Tory Pines they wanted desperately. Um, but I think Tory Pines either wanted a, a a bold package or they wanted the U.S. Open, and they ended up going with the U.S. Open. Um, I think they wanted a Ryder Cup uh, thrown in, and the West Coast is tough to do the Ryder Cup on. But you're absolutely right. Uh, you know There have been many columns written over the years about West Coast venues, and Pebble Beach was even nominated as an annual venue. Uh, and uh, I don't know if the lodge just didn't want to give up August. It's a it's prime season to visit the lodge, uh, but uh, they they are sticking with uh, the their U.S. Open rotation, a uh, rota of every ten years. But they, I mean, I I feel like Chambers Bay, as poorly as that went, in some ways was a course that I thought the PGA of America might go to and. And try to grab for the reasons you laid out. And, and as for the reasons we laid out earlier, TV ratings are obviously so important to these people, which is, is depressing. But, you know, West Coast venues deliver bigger ratings. Um, so I, it's, it's something that Peep of Aqua, the CEO, is trying desperately to do. They have Harding Park lined up for 2020. Which I think is a disappointing choice; wouldn't have been my selection, but um, at least it is on the West Coast, and it gives them flexibility on a, the next Olympic year to either play in uh, May. <laughs> they could they could go a lot of different months there, and they've laid out uh, scenarios of an October, a May, um, um, or even a uh, another. I don't. Hopefully, not another July PGA. I think it'll be on on the the one of the ends of the season. House, my uh, my nomination, and it's pretty well known to people who've read my website for a while, uh, an international venue on in these Olympic years. And the PGA of America looked at it. I don't know why they ended up going with Harding Park in 2020. But 2020 was a the year they could have said, hey, we've got to take the PGA internationally, get away from the Olympic Games. And and they could have gone to Australia, and, and at the end of their summer in February... They could have uh, aligned where maybe in eight years they, or four years they go to um, uh, to an Asian venue, which would have been an enormous international event. And I just feel like that was something that would have given that event. Identity isn't probably the right word, House, but it would have given it a, a level, a cachet internationally. And I think it would have um, just elevated the PGA Championship in a way that, that would make up for Going to some mediocre courses or these years where we're in these i mean next year's in Charlotte house it's going I looked at the radar yesterday. <laughs> the only place it, there weren't red vicious thunderstorms in North Carolina yesterday was Charlotte, which was nice, but it was a war zone down there you, you they were there's no way they're finishing that tournament without uh, a few delays next year and so yeah
0: extraordinary efforts. Yeah. It is a anyway. bummer. I I I love your idea. I especially am fond of, of the Australia idea. Australia has acquitted itself so nicely on the international yeah. stage, and in, and in February, how how great would that be? I just the last sort of semi criticism. How, how why would the PGA of America seed? the international flavor to the WGC events. I mean, the the WGC events have come in. um, The opportunity is there because nobody is competing um, on the international stage with the, getting the very best players out of of the U S and you know, so that that's, uh, I I wish there was a way to get this international thing accomplished, but it isn't going to be through uh, any of the already existing majors. No, 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 no.
1: All right. What do we got next
0: on the, uh, on the
1: on the you know, speed round front i 've been
0: told that people are interested in hearing how our prognostication uh, yeah. our forecasting <laughs> might have gone. I will say I have some regrets. Uh, we did have kind of a thesis around the idea of of, of bomb and gouge that the guys uh, that hit the long ball might have an advantage. And I kind of loaded up. I had some DJ. I had some Tony Finau. I had you and I both loved J.B. Holmes. I had a little Gary Woodland. I mean, a bunch of guys that fit that profile. Um, all of them missed the cut. <laughs> I mean, even Rory. Rory's uh, pretty pretty damn long off the tee, uh, you know, and, and was all performed well for the most part off the tee um, this week, but also uh, missed the cut. So this is, uh, I'm going to have to be satisfied with giving out to all of our friends and listeners um, three out of four major winners. I did not identify the major winner. I did have a a brief fleeting moment. I was thrilled by Brandon Grace uh, climbing up the leaderboard uh, Sunday. I thought it could be that awkward scenario where he throws up an 11 or 12 under and is sitting there for many hours waiting for um, Jason and... and, uh, Jimmy Walker, um, to come in uh, staring at that 12-under number. It was not meant to be. Um, we did hit a couple props. We did hit on um, the score. You you were very uh, emphatic that it would be under... Two seventy-one and a half. That was a, an easy winner, and we also Good. there was only one guy. I think the the other one was a sixty-four and a half for a single yeah. round low score. I think it was only Robert Streb sixty-three yep. that went under. I don't. i So that one was a little more nerve wracking. I meant to yeah, send Robert Streb uh, a thank you note on Friday um with that score we also uh talked about um will there be four maiden winners you know four winners this year of of the major tournaments um who are first-time winners of, of majors that that hit that was only an even money wager and and uh there was one on will the winner be from the u.s that one had a long track record of success at belty um, uh, so happy to hit that but um sorry for not giving out a winner this time my my friends yeah.
1: Well you got Rio to uh to, in a smaller field and uh we, you will have some insights from Gil Hans who will be our guest on next week's show to tell you who it's going to favor and oh, um, I'm excited yeah, that's and that's gonna really going to be yeah, yeah, it should be thirty players. You should be able to pick from uh, which, uh, but I think it has a chance for for a fun long shot. I've already got my eye on on Johnny Vegas and Matteo Manassaro, who um, got in kind of uh, last minute, but uh, was very involved in the Olympic process several years ago in trying to get uh, representing golf. So I feel and and it's a good golf course for both of them from what Gil has told me. So we'll get more from Gil on that and some more insights on and who uh, the Olympic golf course in Rio will favor uh, because, hey, House, the Olympics, <laughs> the opening ceremony starts uh, Friday, August 5th, and the golf starts uh, uh, just six days later. So
0: we're, uh, we're not far away. I can't wait to allocate some more capital. All right, last speed round question. Jimmy Walker just jumped right into the mix on the Ryder Cup, and the four guys looking uh, on the outside of the great eight looking in, are, are are my man Bubba Watson, Pat Reed, Matt Kucher, and Ricky Fowler. Mm. Uh, if if the Ryder Cup was to start today, those guys look like pretty good locks as uh, captains picks. Is there anyone else worth discussing even? Bill Haas, it's- Daniel Berger, who 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 else besides those four guys? Yeah, I think that uh, I think that Haas is an
1: interesting one for Davis Love um, because he's he's currently 14th and he ended up being his his dad's pick at the President's Cup uh, and performed quite admirably and he has man is he, he's such a great guy he's such a talent he's just somebody you want so badly to have on the team and yet this year you know he's he's been kind of uh, an enigma and I think that's going to be a tricky one for Davis Love and his uh, army of vice captains how about you?
0: Yeah, I um, don't think that any of the four that are outside looking in right now, Bubba, Pat Reed, Kucher, Ricky Fowler, should be left over by anybody on the outside. But we have the whole FedEx Cup run uh, still in front of us. And so we will see, uh, out of all the guys that are currently on the list, um, the, the, the ones I could see um, falling out of the, the, the grade eight, you know, Brant Snedeker has been pulling this this uh, rabbit out of his hat. You know, on the on the cusp of not making cuts, and then sneaks right in, and then has you know a decent round on the weekend to, to sort of stick around. And there is real merit to that to that stick to itiveness. It's kind of the opposite of what Rory McElroy has done this season. Mm. Um, but he, I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of Snedeker this season. Really, since that round he had at Torrey, that 69 he shot at Torrey in February. He hasn't really wowed me, so if he dropped out of this mix, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. Um, what about you? In terms of? Guys that are on the list now that might fall out and who might slide in. Yeah, I know. I mean, it,
1: it really is an all-star group there right at the bubble. Um, and now, I, I, I wish I knew the answer to this question, House, but I don't know what if the Olympics are providing, I mean, our our four American Olympians are all uh, right at the 9, 10, 11, 12 spot on the Ryder Cup team. And I don't know if they get any points. I don't. I know they get world ranking points, and they get credit for a start on their respective tour playing in the Olympics. But I'm, I'm pretty sure there's nothing there in terms of Ryder Cup points, which is too bad because they are representing their country. Um but I guess the guy I'm, I'm most fascinated by is Bubba. Just trying to understand where he's at and what he's going to do. He's going to play the Travelers and then a, a roll into Rio, um, kind of on short notice, which might not be the worst thing. So he he's the one that I'm I, I just I would I love having him on the Ryder Cup team uh, as a media person. I don't know how he fits with the the team and the team room. I'm going to guess that. Matt Kuchar and Ricky Fowler fit a whole lot better, um, and whereas Bubba and Patrick Reed are sort of enigmas. But gosh, I think we all want Patrick Reed on the Ryder Cup team based on the way he played last time, and that we want to see, you know, no offense to Matt Kuchar and Bubba Watson, but we want to see the younger guys develop into Ryder Cup players and fans because it makes them uh, great representatives of their country, they're fun to watch, and we also know that the Ryder Cup develops people as players, it seems to somebody like Jimmy Walker, who played in the last Ryder Cup, um, and, and now he's won a major championship, and, and uh, he's part of those matches during the rounds. So I tend to, to, to root for the, the younger guys to make the team on, on, the, on merit because they, they tend to get overlooked by captains who tend to like veterans.
0: Yeah, I, that's why I'm psyched Kepka is is kind of firmly in the mix. He's in the fifth spot right now, and yeah. that's why I mentioned uh, Daniel Berger, who's, who could really be there but for the injury that he uh, suffered. I think the, the health is, injury. yeah, the
1: issue there. Yeah. So if
0: he can get over that um, and string something together. But it'll be a fun next, uh, what do we have before the Ryder Cup? Six weeks, give or take? Six, yeah. Seven weeks?
1: No, it's going to be great. And, uh, and and what's nice to see is so many players who will be part of those teams playing well, and the European team is starting to really shape up. I mean. Andy Sullivan, who we discussed, had another uh, – showed some really nice moments at Baltusrol, and uh, obviously Henrik Stenson's going to be a big team leader there for Europe. So uh, um, the, the great events keep coming, which we knew this year would have, but uh, I feel like the Ryder Cup is setting up better now for a, for a good quality match, whereas it was feeling earlier in the year like the Americans might, uh, might be dominant. Yep. All right, well, that's it for this week's Shack House. Uh, we have an exciting guest in Gil Hans next week. I will be in Rio, uh, all things um, travel, safely, willing, all that good stuff, House. Uh, and, of course, as always, uh, our friends at The Ringer uh, are, are providing great content and uh, giving us the opportunity to do this show. And uh, Friday Roland was outstanding last week, if you didn't catch it. House and Bill Simmons discussed uh, the PGA Championship. And of course, if you didn't hear our episode last week with Jim Nance, it's a uh, the the conver- just skip right past uh, House and I discussing our picks in the PGA Championship and just go about 45 minutes into Jim Nance. He was sensational, House. And uh, yeah. I, I just Please uh, get I thought past a lot us about that right conversation. Yeah, it was a great conversation. All right, great. Well, thank you all for listening. We'll uh, talk to you from Rio. Uh, next week and again uh, Gil Hans will be on the show we look forward to talking to you then
0: friends you've heard us talk quite a bit about Odyssey putters they, that's because they have the most putter wins on tour including Danny Willett's win at Augusta Lydia Coe's major win at the ANA Inspiration, and most recently, Henrik Stenson at the Open Championship. Odyssey was the number one putter in the PGA Championship this week, the number one putter on tour, number one in major wins this year, and the number one putter in golf. Odyssey continues to set the standard in innovation, insert technology, and performance with putters like the Odyssey Works, White Hot RX, and the Toe. Up. That's T-O-E up. The new milled collection, RSX, is hot as well. You can check out all these putters, my friends, at odysseygolf.com. Hey, friends. Avion was not created by celebrities or billionaires. It's a collaboration between a tequila-loving entrepreneur and a family who, for generations, have been growing Agave in their small town Jesus Maria in the highlands of Jalisco. Thanks again to Avion for sponsoring today's podcast It's made by real people with a true passion for their craft They pride themselves on the art of creating beautifully inefficient tequila Sip on Avion neat or on the rocks I take it both ways It it makes a delicious top shelf margarita as well. Share Avion with those that appreciate what they eat and drink I promise it will become theirs and your favorite ultra premium tequila. Please drink Avion responsibly. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere, get tickets now.